you've discovered TalkZone.com. TalkZone.com, the best in Internet talk radio. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact. Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, they rate restaurants on the basis of food, decor, service, and cost. And now they are partnering with WellPoint to rate doctors on the basis of trust, communication, availability, and office environment. What about cost and medical expertise? Perhaps that's uh, next. Doctors getting Zagat ratings. It's a partnership that we enjoy each and every week during this time. The American Association for Health Freedom Inside the Beltway, fighting on behalf of you and me and our health care providers for health care freedom. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the rights of practitioners to offer to us complementary and alternative integrative medicine. Chris Ray is our guy today. He is the, uh, the managing director of one of the largest centers for environmental medicine in the country, Environmental Health Center Dallas. We'll talk about health care freedom for practitioners with Chris Ray joining us on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, it's a new study that appears in the journal Health Services Research, and it seems to mirror what we have often heard about people and their spouses, people and their dogs. Duke University uh, has found that if one spouse exercises, quits smoking, stops drinking alcohol, gets a flu shot, or undergoes some sort of cholesterol screening, the other spouse is much more likely to do the same. In fact, uh, having been involved in an integrative medical practice for some 25 years, it was often uh, just something you could set your watch by. Uh, one of the, the the spouses would come in with a health care challenge, wanted to take a look at a lifestyle-based approach to it, and it wasn't that long after that the other spouse would appear saying, you know, well, I've got some heart-related or diabetes or arthritis uh, challenges. I'd like to avail myself of a lifestyle-based approach as well. They found that smokers were five times more likely to quit If their spouse quit, uh, alcohol drinkers were more than five times more likely to quit drinking in response to their spouse abstaining. And it goes back to the old concept that it is your social environment, that environment in which you live your life and what you eat and how you eat and when you eat and exercise and what you drink and if you smoke at all is all part of the big picture with spouses often mirroring each other's health habits. And, of course, then we can take up the topic at a later date uh, about what it means in terms of you and your pet's (laughs) lifestyle habits. 
Well, it's the power of the mind that has been taken on by University of Pennsylvania following more than a thousand patients with head and neck cancer. They published their findings in the Cancer Journal, finding that a patient's positive emotional state or a patient's negative emotional state had no direct bearing on cancer survival or disease progression. What I feel is perhaps a little more esoteric here is what about overall well-being, overall quality of life? Uh, because uh, many who looked at this study indicated that indeed a positive outlook can help you cope with the grueling cancer therapies and give you much more of a uh, an objective viewpoint on resuming a normal life. Um, and it, it was all designed to determine whether or not we can fight cancer by influencing emotional states. But I think uh, that we are just touching, um, you know, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the fact that cancer is more than just uh, cancerous cells, a tumor. That any state of health is based upon physical, emotional, and spiritual health. So to say that your your state of mind has no bearing when it comes to fighting cancer, I think is a little more physical-based than we would like, given the fact that we now know that molecules of emotion do affect our immune system response, uh, do affect literally every aspect of our human functioning. There's psychoneuroimmunology, Yes, when you're stressed, your immune system becomes stressed, and that's when you come down with a cold or a flu. The same is true of psychoneurodermatology. You're stressed, your skin reflects that, and you can say that the same is true of your heart or literally any system in the body. So we'll send some more money for some more study with a published study indicating that optimism has no bearing on cancer. Well, it's those smog-filled skies that have the news these days uh, with the terrible uh, fires in the west and the droughts in the east. But according to now published research, what's happening inside your home, behind that front door, is very hard on the health of your lungs as well as your heart. Scottish researchers have taken a look at uh, polluted indoor air and, of course, all the chemicals that we use indoors, the chemicals that are outcast from the type of uh, material uh, that are paneling, our furniture, you know, the particle board furniture, uh, the carpets, the paints, uh, what we clean our home with, uh, if we have pests, what we spray to get rid of those pests, uh, may be very hard on people who have chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And the unfolding story is that particulate matter in the air inside our home not only affects our respiratory health, but has a very strong correlation with cardiovascular heart health as well. In fact, previous studies have found that the larger the particulate material 
in the indoor air pollution, the much more likely people were to have actually measurable hardening of the arteries in those carotid arteries that puts them at a much higher risk of stroke. So poor indoor air quality is uh, bad for not only your respiratory, but for your heart health as well. Well, it's an experimental therapy that made the front page of today's Wall Street Journal to cure insurance woes. So many physicians' offices uh, are battling strong headwinds to keep uh, rising administrative costs while insurance reimbursements are flat or going downward in a balance. So now a number of doctors, uh, they highlight the practice of a family practitioner in Wheeling, West Virginia, Starts has started a new approach. He charges an individual a flat monthly fee of $83 per person. For that, you get unlimited primary and urgent care. You get office visits, you get lab work, x-rays, and as many generic drugs as the clinic can provide. If you're a family, the charge is $125 per month. It's all about flat rate pay in advance plans. And uh, although it's, it's experimental, many argue that this approach tackles two of the pending crisis in U.S. healthcare. The rapid decline of doctors practicing primary care medicine, this is frontline medicine, and the growing number of Americans who are either uninsured or um, uh, underinsured. So, flat rate pay in advance plans now being pioneered by some far-thinking doctors trying to cure insurance woes and uh, this particular doctor acknowledged that um, you know one in five of his patients uh, lacks insurance the others are saddled with sky-high deductible uh, so he saw it as a very viable cost-effective option not only to standardize and cover his bottom line, his uh, his you know administrative cost, but also a way to provide affordable care to his patients. Eighty three dollars per month per individual, one hundred twenty five dollars per month per family, unlimited primary and urgent care. You know, it sounds like a bargain. <laughs> it sounds like if I had a family practitioner in the in the area that did that. I'd, I'd certainly be signing up. More power to them, and I hope more doctors take a look at it. We're going to return to talk about testing early, but how early for cholesterol. We'll also talk about stinky neighborhoods now linked to children's cancer. And Chris Ray joining us at the bottom of the hour to talk about health freedom for our health care practitioners. We invite you to join us, 800-307-3002. Now, more of Healthy Talk Radio. Get in on the phones now at 1-800-307-3002. I know it sounds cliche. It might even sound trite. But uh, what you hear on the air is really a team effort. I may be the voice and Dr. Whitaker, the medical expert here. But it really takes a team to do what we do. And I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the team that does just great work. Um, you may not see their faces. Sometimes you hear their voices, but they do a magnificent job. We would not be what we are without them. 
and our thanks to them and our thanks uh, to you for your support of what we do on a regular basis. But can we support this? I, for one, would have to give it a thumbs down. In the journal, uh, in the British Medical Journal, British researchers now reveal if children test positive for high cholesterol, that's a major contributor to deaths from coronary heart disease. But come on, you all still haven't answered the question why 60% of people who have heart attacks and strokes have normal cholesterol numbers. These uh, researchers go on to say that when parents come in to be screened for cholesterol, good time to screen the children as well. In fact, uh, they suggest that children should start be start being screened for cholesterol at 15 months of age. Why? Show me the science. Truthfully, I haven't seen it. Like to see it. Uh, I just, uh, I'm speechless. Because if we take a look at the body of evidence that is, is, is irrefutable after 50 years of the Framingham study, the the European uh, uh, studies, the worldwide literature is sound that heart disease is your lifestyle. Heart disease is man-made. And why we would hope that we would be mentors, you know, models for our children's you know, health habits, their lifestyle choices. To what ends? I mean, who benefits to start screening children at 15 months of age for cholesterol numbers? <laughs> you know, when we take a look at younger generations and wonder about the mentality, feeling a little down, uphill. Feeling a little social anxiety, uphill. Feeling a little up today, down tomorrow, bipolar, uphill. And then we think it's going to be any different, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result if we start screening children at 15 for high cholesterol. It just, you know, our efforts better spent, whether that child is 15 months of age, 15 years of age, to be a role model for lifestyle choices, to focus the medical effort on true prevention, not early detection, true prevention. Speaking of which, Australian researchers, this is some interesting research. They're taking a look at breast cancer and breast cancer spread. They believe that it's either a combination of or singly vitamin D deficiency or calcium deficiency or combination of both that confers the highest risk of breast cancer spread. That is huge because just recently Creighton University researchers said we could probably eliminate 350,000 cases of breast cancer simply by optimizing vitamin D. And if we don't take a look at and are alarmed by the fact that 75% of women over the age of 60 are vitamin D deficient, 
63% of men over the age of 60 are vitamin D deficient. And of course, um, uh, uh, for men, it has a high link with prostate cancer. For all of us, colon cancer. Calcium deficiency, vitamin D deficiency, or combination of both, setting the stage for more breast cancer spread. You know, where, <laughs> with our American Cancer Society, just spending their entire $15 million annual budget on the political discussion of the uninsured, the Canadian Cancer Society just simply issued a press release and cleared the pharmacy and health food store shelves in Canada of all the vitamin D by saying to everybody, you better start taking 2,000 international units of vitamin D every single day. We're going to prevent breast cancer and colon cancer. I guess these guys need need to watch, you know, the, who is it? Is it Nike or Reebok? Just do it. <laughs> you know, don't talk about the uninsured. Don't wring your hands and, oh, my goodness, somebody's going to get cancer. They're not going to have insurance. Then what are they going to do? Get busy. Prevent it. Put into action what we know. And we know that vitamin D deficiency sets the stage for more breast cancer, more prostate cancer, more colon cancer. And now, if the Australian researchers are right, the spread of the disease is much more likely if you're vitamin D deficient. Well, this is a little disturbing. Neighborhoods around ship channels. University of Texas study. Children who live within two miles of a ship channel. They're specifically targeting Houston, uh, richly populated with oil refineries and petrochemical companies. These kiddos have nearly a 60% greater chance of getting leukemia than children living elsewhere. Apparently there's a little six-year-old whose uh, mother started putting some thoughts and, and ideas and occurrences together. They lived in a very Tony Houston neighborhood that often had this foul stench related to the uh, the industry there in the ship channels in in Houston and the child has now uh, is now battling leukemia and of course there are many instances if you take a look at power uh, plants power generation plants particularly the nuclear power generation plants high wires uh, pesticide exposure from from agriculture now uh, ship channels that we put our children's health at risk because of environmental factors. And now, um, who is it, Lois Gibbs? She was the one who blew the whistle on the Love Canal. Her, her latest campaign is the fact that we build our nation's schools without ever asking, is the site problematic? And she's found a number of schools that are built on sites that were toxic toxic dumps I think it's an incumbent upon all of us as, as educated consumers as, as parents as aunts and uncles and grandparents to say you know what, whatever you think about the way out environmental wackos let's take a look at raising our children in an environment that is the, of the least risk 
because in terms of, you know, one of six children in this country now labeled as learning or behaviorally disabled and the rates of childhood cancer disturbing, you know, come on. <laughs> Our children deserve better. Well, speaking of which, according to Judicial Watch, 3,461 complaints, 11 deaths have been filed with the Food and Drug Administration's Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, all related to the vaccine to address human papilloma virus, Gardasil. And you've heard many medical doctors here on the air say, you can't give it a blanket okay or a blanket negative, but I wouldn't expose my teenage daughter to the Gardasil vaccine. We're going to return to talk with Chris Ray on behalf of Healthcare Freedom for our healthcare practitioners. He joins us today on behalf of the American Association of Health Freedom. We invite you to join us, 800-307-3002. Attention, please. You're listening to TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some closed-minded members of the medical community, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, that's life. I'm Deborah Ray. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio, where we focus each and every week on health freedom, the health freedoms that you and I as healthcare consumers would like to enjoy. And as importantly, because after all, when we have healthcare challenges, that partnership with a knowledgeable practitioner is key to regaining as well as maintaining our health, the healthcare freedoms of those practitioners as well. And joining us today is someone who has an inside, um, ringside seat on something that, of which you may not be aware. Uh, I, you know, lived it with my late husband who had an alternative medical clinic, uh, the first here in the Tampa area starting back in 1979. We are delighted and honored to have the manager of Environmental Health Center Dallas join us today. In fact, uh, the founder of the clinic, his father, has joined us here on the air, uh, Dr. William Ray, the largest and most comprehensive center in the world that diagnoses and treats patients who are suffering from all types of environmentally caused illnesses and chemical sensitivities. He's Chris Ray who joins us today. Chris, hello and welcome. Uh, thank you for having me on. Well, tell us the story, because for the last two years, I understand that you have been working on a complaint filed against uh, Dr. William Ray uh, with the Texas Board of Medicine, Chris. Yeah, that's correct, and uh, essentially the the facts are, are fairly simple. In, in October of 2005, uh, we received a letter from the state board saying that a complaint had been lodged against Dr. Ray. Um, they would not, the, the state board would not reveal who made the complaint. They were basically accusing uh, Dr. Ray of two things. One was uh, malpractice or failing to meet uh, standard of care and, and endangering public health, and the second was fraud. And uh, the reason that the fraud was alleged, it was alleged that um, the, an insurance company was was uh, being billed and, and because substandard care was being provided, 
um, I guess, because they were vague about it then, then charges that were made to the insurance were fraudulent. The problem with their allegation is we do not take insurance assignments of any type at our clinic, and we have not for at least 15 years. And what that means, if, if your audience doesn't understand, is when you normally go to the doctor and you're on an insurance plan, you give them your insurance card, um, the, the doctor or the clinic will bill the insurance. We don't do that. We simply uh, bill the patient cash, and we let the, the patient file their own insurance claim with their own insurance company. We do that for a specific reason, which is um, when, you're, when you take insurance assignment, essentially you make a contract with the insurance company, and you're on their insurance plan, and you uh, normally have to follow their dictates, um, practice guidelines, uh, standard of treatment, and things like that. And it can be very interfering, especially in the type of medicine that we do, and we have to do a lot of diagnostic work and, and other things. So the fraud allegation was um, just baloney. There was no fraud. We don't take insurance assignment. Um, we responded back as such, and they came back, and they wanted all the, the, the five. There were five patients cited. They wanted all their medical records, all their billing records, and things like that. What it turned out is all five patients were from New York. And they've been referred to us by various physicians up there. They all have the same insurance company. Um, going back and forth with uh, the investigator, the state investigator, it became clear to us that the most likely complainant was the insurance company, which is Oxford United. And what they did is they made the complaint, um, uh, a third-party complaint, on behalf of the patient, but without the patient's consent. The patient's are still our patients. They're still under Dr. Ray's care. They're not alleging any fraud or any harm. Um, they don't want any part of the complaint. They never had any part of the complaint. All five of them have written the board and said, Dr. Ray didn't do anything wrong. He treated us. We've gotten much better. We're still under his care. Two of them, in fact, um, wrote, wrote them letters stating that um, he saved their life, that they would not be around right now if it were not for him. The board dismissed all of that. And what... So subsequently, we've been fighting the case. Um, what what we've discovered in 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 doing so is that this is an insurance company tactic that they've used around the country. And what they do is they pick five patients that are on their insurance plan, or seven patients, three patients, or whatever. They go to they go to the various state boards and they make an anonymous complaint. And it's important to understand the complaint was made anonymously. We are not allowed to know. Who made the complaint, or what evidence was presented? The, the the board refuses, and they and they refuse, and they tell us, well, um, we're 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 giving them anonymity because we want to shield them from retaliation, which is utterly ridiculous. Because if it's a multi-billion-dollar insurance company, how are we going to retaliate against them? It's just ridiculous. So so charges were made against us, and we're not allowed to see the charges. Evidence was presented, we're not allowed to see the evidence. Uh, the state then got uh, what they claimed was an independent peer review. Somebody that does not practice environmental medicine and has never practiced environmental medicine, and he supposedly did a review of the treatment of these patients. He then came back and said, this is uh, gross malpractice. Um, it's nonsensical. There's no scientific basis for it. And these patients were mistreated. We took the same records. We gave them to 17 physicians who practice environmental medicine including the peer review committees of the American Academy of Environmental Medicine and the Pan Am Allergy Society, 
Now, they both came back and said that not only were the patients not misdiagnosed and mistreated, they were treated properly, they treated above the standard of care, and it's obvious that the reviewer who did it um, failed to understand even the basic principles of environmental medicine, what was wrong with uh, the patients, how they were treated, and how they were diagnosed. The state dismissed all of this as nonsensical and their proceeding. So, again, this is a typical tactic that's been going on in, around the country, and the more I've looked at it, I've seen it in a lot of specialties. I've seen it in anti-aging medicine. I've seen it in, in uh, doctors that do chelation. Um, one group of doctors who've been particularly targeted are doctors that treat Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. Um, insurance companies have just gone after them with a vengeance. Doctors that treat patients that have been uh, have any type of mold exposure um, have been made really ill living in a moldy house, a moldy building. Those doctors have been targeted, as well as the laboratories that provide diagnostic support. So, for instance, there's a lab in California, San Diego, called Immunosciences, which is um, a very good diagnostic lab that will diagnose my- mycotoxin poisoning in patients. That lab has uh, been targeted. It was it was turned in, a complaint was made against them by a company uh, who provides defense experts to insurance companies for their lawsuits when patients sue them for not not covering. And the problem is they kept losing. The insurance companies kept losing. Um, this company that provided the defense experts then made an anonymous complaint against this lab. Uh, so we've seen a pattern around the country. We've seen it, we've seen it um, increasing. Uh, the problem has been increasing over the years, and it's gotten to the point where in certain specialties like in Lyme, there are not many doctors who want to treat Lyme cases, even though the number of Lyme cases are ever-increasing. And uh, just to tell you how striking it is, in August of this year, the CDC came out um, basically making an urgent call. I watched the press conference, and they were saying that Lyme cases are rampant. Uh, chronic Lyme cases are rampant. The number of them are going up right. um, all the time, and there's no physicians that will treat them, and there's people not doing research in it. There's a fundamental simple reason why, because the doctors that, that get into that are just pilloried. They're turned into their state medical boards. They're um, uh, run through the ringer. It can cost fifty, sixty, eighty, a dollars $100,000. They can lose their license. Once they lose their license, you know, they can't practice. They've thrown off insurance plans. Um, it, it, it's quite an insidious thing, and the thing is, the way that medicine is set up in, in the United States, and, and probably most of your audience members don't know because they're, they're not physicians, but medicine is governed in 50 states, or in Puerto Rico, so 51 jurisdictions. Right. And, and so it's governed locally. But but highlight for you, would if you would, Chris, because listening to you and, and having been through this on, on a personal basis, you know, you think about a jury of your peers, the right to face your accusers. I mean, there are certain aspects of law to which we would think our country would subscribe, but to everyone's dismay, the medical boards appear to make up the law as they go along. Bring that into the discussion, if you would, please, Chris. Yeah, well, there, there, there's, and I'll try to keep this not complicated because I just want people to understand what's, what's going on. Many medical boards, and in, in, in Texas is, is, is peculiar in a lot of ways. First of all, we're the, we have the oldest medical board in the world. We, Texas set up a medical board uh, almost 150 years ago. And so 
the members, the executive director, the bureaucracy kind of look at it as we're the gold standard for everybody. You know, everybody needs to follow up. Um, that's one one issue. Uh, the, the second is they set up a procedure where uh, the doctor is turned in, and then they have a set of procedures they go through. And, and as you point out rightly, the standard rules of evidence in a court case don't apply. Um, we supply reams of stuff to support what happened, how the patient was treated. The medical board simply dismisses it. Right, right. They, rely, they, they rely everything on their experts, who's anonymous, who we're not allowed to cross-examine. Um, the, the way the process goes, they make a complaint, they do an investigation, and they do it all secretly and anonymously. They don't tell you what evidence was presented against you or who made the complaint. You then go to what's known as an informal settlement conference. And that conference has a board lawyer or one or two board members. Um, they sit, supposedly sit down and talk to you and try to work out an agreement. And um, what they normally, they, this is all done essentially in secret. You're not allowed to have a court reporter there. You're not allowed to record what's going on. Now, their argument for that is, well, if nothing comes of it and they decide to dismiss charges, they don't want the information to get out and, and, and make the doctor look bad, which on the surface is ludicrous because who's going to release the information? There's only two people at this conference, the doctor and the state board. The doctor is not going to release information that's going to make him look bad. So obviously the state board is worried that they're going to release it. I don't know. But they don't allow you to record it. Um, essentially, in the, in the settlement conference, what happened to us and many other cases that I've heard in Texas and also in other states, they simply dismiss anything you uh, point out. It's a foregone conclusion what they're going to do. Now, if you don't agree to sign a consent order, which is a, legal, a legally binding agreement, which right. you agree to sanctions or whatever they propose, then you, you then have to go to what is known as an administrative law hearing. Now, this is not a jury trial. It's simply a hearing before a judge who, who listens to the facts and, 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 and attempts to see if a point of law is followed. We have a case in Texas right now over a records violation where the administrative law judge basically said that this was, that they were going after an OBGYN doctor here in North Texas. That the case was ludicrous and a waste of time. The doctor didn't do anything wrong and the whole matter should be dropped. The board simply um, disregards that. And they disregarded. They dismissed it and, and did what they wanted, sanctioned the doctor. And that's the fundamental point in this. Even though you go to the administrative law hearing, the board doesn't have to follow it. They don't have to follow the recommendation. They can still do what they want to do. Now, so what, paint the big picture here, Chris, because it sounds like um, a very arbitrary system of doctors who are not of like mind, who are, are not skilled in in ways in which a number of physicians, including uh, uh, Dr. Ray, has been a pioneer, uh, really sit um, in, in judgment uh, without patient harm in a, in a capricious fashion because we're talking about um, you know not only patient care, the, the livelihood of practitioners well, who have literally devoted and their and lives to this. Absolutely, and then the livelihood of our employees. Absolutely. And, and um, our suppliers and everybody else. It, it affects a lot of people, but most importantly, the patients. Like in our case, we're one of the few clinics that treats some of the sickest patients. That nobody else will take. And they have nowhere else to go. But I'll, I'll just, you know, not to make a gloomy situation worse, uh, let me point out some other things that they do. Um, the board members, and, and this is a combination of federal and the various state law, laws, are accorded immunity. 
for the decisions they make. Now, think about this for a moment. These people are accorded immunity for the decisions and things they make, and by statute and their own rules, they do things in secret, using secret evidence. Now, if that's not set up as a situation for abuse, they're nothing yet. Essentially, they can do whatever they want. They can disregard the, the administrative law judge. They can disregard any evidence you, you provide. Uh, they can do things in secret, and they have immunity from the decision. So they can basically do whatever they want. Texas is not unique for this. There are other states that, that, that this is going on, New York, Connecticut, Ohio, Florida uh, North Carolina. Years. Sure. I mean, I, I, I found cases all over the country, and, yeah. and what I've discovered is it's really people have put a lot of thought into this, there is a coordinated effort. The insurance companies, without a doubt, have figured out a way to game the system and to eliminate doctors that they don't like. Chris, and hold that thought. We don't want to miss a minute. When we come back, oh, we'll do a wrap-up. We might have to do part two, but we'll do our best today with Chris Ray, who joins us today. We're talking about health care freedom as it relates to the rights of alternative health care practitioners on Healthy Talk Radio. The Surgeon General has determined that missing any portion of this show could be hazardous to your health. Once again, the host who's a medical consumer just like you, Deborah Ray. Health freedom is our topic today, um, uh, focusing on health care freedom of practitioners who are really at the forefront of cutting-edge medicine, going beyond the, the disease care model. What was recently printed in the New York Times Science section, a quote from a preventive uh, Emory-based cardiologist, that there's a real disconnect in this, uh, this country, that our medical system tends to push prescriptions and push procedures, uh, often a disconnect with the science. We're talking today with Chris Ray, who manages a, a worldwide um, a landmark in terms of environmental medicine, Environmental Health Center Dallas. Their website is ehcd.com, Environmental Health Center Dallas. Um, and because this has been um, a, a concerted effort uh, for many years, uh, Chris, to impact the, you know, the livelihood of, of uh, practitioners who practice in these, these fashions, their patients uh, and their staff. What do we do from here? Who, who, who well, are some of the organizations that can make a difference? Because this affects all of our health. Yeah, it does. And I, and I appreciate you asking that because often when I hear shows like this, I'm left probably like most people thinking, you know, what can we do? This involves some other people and some other organizations, and there's nothing I can do to affect it. Um, there's there's two things. One of them, there's, a, there's an association, the American Association for Health Freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, their email or their web address is www.healthfreedom.net, and they are working on this issue. They're working on it around the country. They're working for... Uh, individuals' uh, right to choose their their physician and uh, the type of medicine that they want to avail themselves of. And it's a good organization. I've been working with them and many others. And um, what we're trying to do is coordinate efforts to change some of the laws to give doctors the right to practice the type of medicine and the patient the right to avail themselves of the type of medicine they want. If they're a physician, um, the Association of Physicians and Surgeons and their web address is www.aapsonline.org. They're a very good organization who supports physician rights. 
and much better than the AMA. Yeah. I will I will add. Uh, the AMA supports many of the things that are being used against its member physicians right now, such as absolute immunity for peer review members. Um, this is a wrong position, and it's a, and it's set up the situation that we're in now, where others control what a, what a consumer, a member of the public, the type of medicine that they that they can get or that they have access to. There's others controlling that right now. And that's what everybody needs to know. And we're at a really at a critical point. I've been around this as you have for many years. And things in the last five years have gotten really bad. Well, Chris, please come back again. We appreciate you running up the, the red flag. It affects the health of each and every one uh, of us. So we appreciate your time, Chris. Okay. Thank you very much. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you to live long, stay healthy.